Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 214. John and Wendy talk to Katie Van Horn. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you, John? Wendy, I'm well. We're at the end of March, and wow. this will be the last episode of the month that and is sponsored by our pals over at Namely. Thank you, Namely, for March. <laughs> yes, thank you, Namely, for March. We always appreciate partnering with Namely. Look for something with us and Namely in April as well. Thank you for sponsoring the month. Be sure to check out Namely.com to learn more about them. Wendy, we're in springtime. I was doing yeah. some spring cleaning, and I found some stuff. <laughs> Some of, you, some of you remember that in the fall, we typically have our pledge drive yep. and we ask you to share an episode and and we'll send you something. Well, found out that I had some extra somethings laying around. Ooh. So I'm going to do a, a mini spring cleaning okay. pledge drive. A little Love different it. this time. What we're going to ask is that if you will leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're on, iTunes, Spotify, okay. you know, five stars, okay. Podbean, whatever it is. Leave a review, five stars, take a snapshot, and tweet us. Tweet me, Wendy, like HR Social Hour, whatever it yeah. is. You will receive one of the now out-of-print Wonder <laughs> Women coasters that yep. we have. Yeah, we're not making any more of those. Not making so. any more of those. We've got six of those to give away. Okay. The first six people to participate there will, will be eligible for that. And then... And then Ooh, but wait, there is there is the elusive <laughs> and one the only time we ever going to make these. I have a bottle opener to give away. <gasps> Ooh! We will ship anywhere in the world. So international <laughs> listeners, yep. you are and and they have been shipped overseas. I learned a lot because <laughs> of the production run. I lost about a quarter of them in the mail, which was highly uh, embarrassing. But people got them, really happened. enjoyed them. Make sure that you put yeah. that review out, post it, share it with us. If you have left a review before, what I'm going to ask you to do is to share this episode or your favorite episode on LinkedIn. Oh, screenshot yeah. that and send us that, and that will count as your your spot. entry. Your entry, thank you. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, like I said, spring cleaning. Love it. Kind of a one week only pledge yep. drive, or whatever time you hear this. After that, the Perfect. first six people will get those coasters, and then, like I said, if if you already have the opener. I'll do a drawing. If you've got one, I'm going to send it to the next person that doesn't. What's kind of cool, Wendy, is that as we've done these things over the years, the coasters, the stickers, the mm-hmm. bottle openers, all these different things, we don't do more of them other than our podcast stickers. Right. And we're never not going to have hollow stickers because oh. hollow stickers are cool. They're cool. And every time they come up, man. <laughs> exactly. People fight over them just like we did yep. in the 90s over hollow, mm-hmm. co- hollow covers on comic books, which was yes. the whole reason I started that to begin with. <laughs> Share. Share with us, share out yes. there, share with us, yep. and you're going to be eligible for that. Love it. I'm excited about tonight's guest. And Wendy, yep. as I told you, I think this is the first time we've ever had podcast co-host bookend a month. Love it. So I think that was, it was kind of fun how that worked yes. out. Let's make the introduction and get started. Yes. So excited to welcome Katie Van Horn to the show. Katie is a diversity and inclusion strategist. She is co-host of the Inclusive AF podcast, and she really enjoys helping organizations build inclusive teams where diversity thrives. So Katie, so, so excited to have you on the show today. First question, what is in your glass? Okay. So I'm in Arizona, so it's only three o'clock in the afternoon. So <laughs> So as far as you know, this is water. 
we don't judge. Right, right. Not at all. No judgment. Ask me in a few hours. That would be a different answer. But yes, water right now. Yes, on this fine Monday afternoon. Love it. Katie, I appreciate the fact you reminded me that we had met way back when at an event. Always have to start, though. How exactly did you get your start in human resources? And then particularly this focus when it comes to DEI. So I started on a recruiting desk, actually, many, many moons ago. Um, I was working for contract company, ADECO, uh, which I don't even know if they exist anymore. I think they got bought out, but um, had a recruiting desk that I worked for a few years and then moved into inside, you know, in-house recruiting and then moved into an HR business partner role. I did a dual role at JPMorgan Chase. It was recruiter and HR business partner. I do not recommend. It was a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot going on there. Um, and then, you know, kind of worked my way up through different roles. And uh, most recently, I took a chief people officer role at a small startup out of San Diego. The focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, that's been something that I've been passionate about throughout my whole career, is how do you create equitable systems, whether that's in recruiting, whether that's in just, you know, the processes, anything that touches the employee, how do you make them equitable? How do you make uh, you know block bias where you can? And so I started my consultancy to really focus on how to focus on the processes, policies, procedures, not just the, hey, let's fix it and bring people up, people up to parity on pay or you know just do things that are performative, but really make true change in organizations that will be impactful today and in the long term. Yet again, another person that comes out of the staffing industry, Wendy, how about that? <laughs> We love it. I always love it when I have a a fellow former staffing industry person here and a deco is still around. Okay. Thank you for uh, a deco group now, I think is, but I believe they're still using that name. They probably were. They all got bought. There's like two companies on everybody now. I think, you know, pretty convinced that's how it works anymore. The name takes me back because I was, I was a staffing person for a deco or I was placed by a deco in a couple of different places when, my husband and I were moving around and looking for work. So I was like, that sounds so familiar. That would be why. <laughs> and it is, it's fascinating because, you know, Adeco, I actually had a client that I was working with and I was sitting there across the desk from her at one point and we were like, God, we know each other from someplace. We could not figure it out, could not figure it out. And then it was literally, hey, you are on site person. When when you were at a deco, you were on site at this client site that she worked for. And so we and it was like, that was 20 years ago. Like, how is this even possible? <laughs> um, I started when I was 10, right? Like, did right. We, all, we all did. We all did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, let, let's talk DE and I a little bit. You've been in that space for a while. What do you see as employers' biggest stumbling blocks when it comes to getting DEI right? What is something that employers could do as one step to start going in the right direction? So I think the first one is actually putting budget to it. And, you know, when you talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, a lot of times it's kind of on the backs of people of color or women or whatever underrepresented group is in the organization. But putting budget behind it where you're actually showing up, not just in a performative way, but you're really saying we take this seriously and we're going to do something about it. And when I say budget, it's bringing in a consultant, it's bringing in a trainer, it's looking at your tools that you're using and making sure that you're thinking about how bias can creep in, all of these different things. And there's so much good tech that's now being built or has been built or modified to start to really look at a lot of these things. And so I, for me, it's you know the budget piece 
And then I think the second piece is actually to make sure that the C-suite believes in it. You know, if you don't have a leadership team that understands the impact that you can make, if you have a diverse team, if you're really looking at every single role in the organization as how you can make your team even better, then, you know, you're kind of dead in the water. And so whatever you can do to get the leadership team on board and focused on the work, then I think that's great. That was the first question you had. The second question is, remind me, please. So sorry. Well, no, that's fine. What can we, I mean, aside from putting money behind it, because I 120% agree with that. I mean, and, and it, I mean, because it's so true where you put your budget is where your priorities are. So if you're not putting any money behind it. <laughs> Penelope saying hello. She wanted hello. to join the podcast for a moment. Sorry about that. That's all right. <laughs> she likes to make an appearance every once in a while. Um, so I think that the piece to answer that second half of the question, I think that the piece that people get wrong or the piece that people don't follow through on is it's just the actually changing the process behind the work. Mm. And what I mean by that, is, you know, the example I use quite a bit is Salesforce. So Salesforce did a pay equity uh, review. This was years ago now. And they found out, okay, they were paying women much less than they were paying men. So they cleaned everything up, put millions of dollars towards creating equity within the pay uh, space. Then two, three years later, they did a new review and had the exact same issues. And it's because they didn't change any of the processes behind it. And as recruiters, as you know, anyone that's kind of looking at talent nowadays, we know part of this is instead of asking someone, what is their salary requirement? What are they looking for for salary? It's here's our salary range. This is what we're aiming for. Does that fit into your, you know, what you're thinking or, or what you're expecting from the role? Even just changing something that simple can really create a different conversation for your candidates. And so I think it's the, you know, looking at the processes behind, not just what are we actually going to do that's going to look good from a PR perspective. I think that's spot on because, yeah, we don't do that. We, we make the fix, put the Band-Aid on it, and then don't figure out what was behind the cut. <laughs> we don't right. take the knife away. Right. You know, exactly. Keep that exactly. metaphor going. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Katie, over the last couple of years, with everything that's gone on in the world, particularly here in the United States, when it comes to racial tension, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, all these things are going on. And oh, by the way, there's this global pandemic on top of it. I think we can all agree there's been a real focus and much more conversation about diversity and, and what it means and how we do it in organizations. We've had a lot more conversations about it on this show. We're now starting to see this return to the office idea in, in many organizations. We're hearing about companies that are flat out saying you're coming back. How do you think that change? And I'm not going to say post pandemic. I keep hearing people say it's post. We're not post pandemic yet, folks. I'm sorry. It's not. We're no. just not. This idea of the return to office, though, how do you think it's going to change the conversation or is it? Do you think it's going to change it at all? My first comment is why? You know, I think anytime we we approach work as HR professionals, the first question we have to ask is why or what's the objective? What are we trying to achieve out of this? And I think the return to work piece is such a miss for so many organizations because you have folks that have adapted to working from home and have completely changed their lifestyle in a lot of ways, moved to different locations, done different things, have a different setup within their family dynamics, whatever that might be. So my 
question is always why. Why are we forcing people back into the office? Is there some need that they were able to accomplish in the last two and a half years or however long it's been that they've been at home, something shifting? Or is it just a, it's easier for the leaders if people are sitting in front of them versus actually having to engage with them remotely? I think the conversation is going to be the one that's already happening, which is how are we going to find talent that's going to go, yeah, sure, I'll take an hour commute both ways to go to a job. And, you know, all of the things that we know are already happening that people are like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to, I'd rather work remote. I'd rather shift, you know, into a new role, into a new company that has more flexible work arrangements. And this is a, I mean, this is new for pandemic and for organizations, but I think this is a conversation that we've been having for women, for moms, for dads, for, you know, that flexible work environment has been a conversation topic for years, but it just has kind of, you know, it hit that tipping point because of the pandemic that now people are like, no, no, I've changed everything. I'm good now working from home. I don't need to come to the office. And, oh, the dynamics in the office might have not been great, and especially not for folks from underrepresented groups where they have been marginalized at the office. They aren't being listened to. And you're changing a, a remote work environment where you kind of leveled the playing field a lot of ways, you know, having people on virtual calls. It just it changes how you interact with each other. And I think it opens up a more inclusive space. And I think we're going to lose that. So I, I go back to why? What's the point? And I mean, I, I also know so many organizations that have let go of office space and this, that, and the other thing, because they're like, what's the point of having that as a, a line item in our budget versus let people go work at home? They have the technology they need. What I'm seeing now, and you know, I'm doing it in the, the new organization that I'm in, is an internet stipend. You know, paying people for their internet and things like that that are, let's do stuff like that and, and let's trust people. And, you know, John Baldino, who we all know and love, you know, he said something the other day, he was in a conversation I was listening in on, and he was talking about the fact that, you know, quit writing policies, quit doing things for the exceptions to the rule. And I think that's <laughs> what we in HR have done for so long. It's someone breaks a rule. Well, then we put a policy in place so that nobody else breaks that same rule versus, no, let's just trust that all our people are going to do the right thing. And if someone doesn't, we take action and then we do something, but we don't need to write a policy about it. Just trust people. I think it's uh, Kate Bischoff that said, if you know the, if you can name the person that the policy was written for, you don't need that policy. <laughs> it, it, yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> She's spot on. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's true. We, you know, we, we've so long just kind of gone after the lowest common denominator. I was listening to the same one. It's like, that's why we were, I was writing a dress code policy once where we had to define what a flip-flop was. I'm like, really? Because <laughs> we were, oh, you can wear open-toed shoes now, but not flip-flops. And this is what a flip-flop is. And I was just like, this is so managers don't have to have a conversation with somebody about their shoes. Well, and, and also, unless they're in a manufacturing environment where they need steel toed shoes. Right. Why do you care what is on right. their face? <laughs> right. I don't they're sitting by care. Yeah. It was like, they're sitting behind a desk and you care what's on their feet. All right. Well, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about something that's more fun than that. And that's podcasting. So we got a chance to talk with Jackie about inclusive, ah, not exclusive, inclusive AF. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> and she talked a little bit about how you got started and what y'all are doing. So um, we want to know your thoughts on it too. So talk about what it's been like to be to host a podcast with her and what you hope for the future of Inclusive AF. First off, it, Jackie is one of my very dear friends. And so these are conversations that we're all having. You know, what we wanted to do was share the conversations that she and I were having when I'd call her and be like, Hey, can you give me perspective from a staffing, you know, from a staffing industry point of view, from the point of view of someone living in Texas, from the point of view of a mom, from the point of view of a black woman, all of these different things that are different than mine. And, and, and she would do the same. Hey, as a white woman, what do you think? Or as someone in Arizona or whatever it might be, you have more of a business partner, you know, generalist bent to the work that you do. So we were just having these conversations and it was like, we need to record this and share it with other folks. And, you know, we've been very lucky in that we've been able to have these conversations, had people listen in and find value in the conversations and, and take them away and have additional conversations with their friends or their coworkers or whatever it might be. And we've also been able to have some great guests on that have shared their perspective and, and their ideas. We had a, a woman that joined us from the UK and she was talking about diversity in the UK and like how that is different from in the US. And I think even that, you know, some of those little things that are just a different perspective, what I'm trying to drive, and I know Jackie feels the same way, is whatever awareness we can create, we all know those horror stories of HR folks that are passing, you know, the papers and doing kind of the administrative focus stuff versus like, we're talking about people, we're talking about humans. And that's who we're trying to talk to. And that's who we're trying to engage, because I think all of us have been in a work environment where we've experienced not great HR. And we've also hopefully been in, in situations where we've had great HR. And how do we continue to build that? And especially when we think about equitable environments, when we think about having diverse teams and how to leverage that diversity, all of those pieces, hopefully, you know, we're, we're talking to leaders, we're talking to other HR folks, and they're getting something from it that they can take away and implement tomorrow. Katie, one of the things that we've done over the last year with the show is is start incorporating guest questions because it saves us a little bit of time. And it's always interesting to to get different perspectives. And we've had the ridiculous and the sublime and the ridiculously sublime. I think, <laughs> Wendy, thank you for that. That's our new, I think it's going to be our new catchphrase for the show. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, Tracy Sponnenberg asked, John and Wendy ask you how you got into what you do now. What keeps you going in what you do? That's a great question. I think, you know, we have heard so much about diversity fatigue. You know, everyone is having these conversations, as you mentioned earlier, John, you know, this has become such a hot topic within HR. And I think the piece for me is I just always think about the next generation coming up, the next generation in the workforce, whatever you want to call it. So my niece and nephews and younger people that are in school and what is their experience going to be and how will it be different than what my experience was or what your experience was, John or Wendy, or, you know, like whatever those different experiences have been and how do we make it better? Because I think, again, we all have those stories and those situations that we've been in, in the workplace where, you know, I, I just was talking to a client this morning and she was talking about an old boss of hers that used to comment on how she would dress and the size of her breasts and things like that. And I was like, Oh my goodness gracious. And this is, this is a younger person. So I'm like, okay, this couldn't have been years and years ago. This is probably maybe five years ago. And so it's that like, how do we continue to evolve this conversation that that is not okay. And that's not something that you do in the workplace. 
and also equip young women, people of color, whoever it is, with tools. But more importantly, we teach the leaders what you should and shouldn't do and how do you actually interact with others in an inclusive way and not to marginalize them and not to other them in any way, shape, or form. And so the way that I stay passionate about this or really stay focused on this, it's exhausting work, absolutely, because you feel like you are having the same conversation over and over again and starting from ground zero so many times. But at the same time, I think it's the, when you get those little wins, even the tiniest win that you can go, oh, they heard me. Oh, they got this. Oh, they are now implementing this. Even, you know, it's something simple like, oh, we changed the way we're posting jobs or where we're posting jobs. We changed the way that we're approaching our review process, whatever that might be. And it's those little wins that, you know, are, they seem little, but they're going to make a huge impact in the long run. And that's the stuff that I love. And, and that's what keeps me going. But it is that who's next in the workforce and what is their experience going to be? And how do we make sure that they don't have to go through some of the things that we've all had to go through? in our careers that we wish we hadn't. So that's what drives me. With that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode of the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast is brought to you by Namely. The role of HR has changed drastically over the last couple of years with remote work on the rise, constantly changing compliance requirements, and a historically competitive talent market. Making sure your team is supported in their work and community is more crucial than ever. That's why you need Namely, the all-in-one HR solution that offers everything you need to set you up for success along with dedicated support, giving you all the help you need to help your team. Namely helps you easily adapt to the ever-changing workplace and maintain a great employee experience, whether you have 50 or 1,000 employees, with onboarding, performance management, and intuitive benefits enrollment, all in one connected modern platform. Plus, Namely can streamline your payroll, time tracking, and vacation requests, so you can be everyone's favorite HR leader, no matter how your company grows. Companies are built on people. Don't let either fail. Get the support you need and learn more about making the switch to Namely by going to Namely.com. Thanks again to Namely for sponsoring this episode of the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. Now, back to the show. And we are back. Katie, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the Half Hour Question Connection. What career did you dream of having when you were a child? Um, I wanted to be like a singer, dancer, yeah. but I'm not coordinated in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I can, I can carry a tune. Um, but yeah, the dancing part, not so much for me. Um, I would probably break something, but yeah, I wanted to be like a professional singer. You know, I thought I could be up there with Celine Dion and Whitney Houston, Houston, you know, I, (laughs) you betcha. Absolutely. Why not? (laughs) Love it. Katie, who's one person you've gained your network in the last year that you think more people should know? You know, I think there's so many people in the diversity space there, you're going to make me look on my Instagram right now because I'm. This is where, <laughs> this is where you all will will now find out that Katie can't remember anyone's name to save her life. So. <laughs> Joe Gerstad, obviously, he's amazing, and you know, for those of you, he's in Nebraska. He's been doing DEI work forever. Um, he is a just champion uh, among you know straight white ally, allies, and I just really appreciate everything he does and everything he is is working on. I would say. Um, Instagram wise, I would say start following like I, well, Kate Bishop is another one. Like, I guess she's another one that I would say, like, I'm, I'm literally like, okay, 
Oh, I know. I can say uh, so. Anthony Paradiso is another one. He's been doing some great, great work in the in the DEI space, and he just has a, a great perspective on kind of all things DEI. I'm the worst at this. <laughs> all right, Katie. If you could go back to the start of your career, what is one piece of advice you would give yourself based on what you know now? I think one of the things, and I would I say this to everyone that. I talk to from a mentor perspective is take on every single project you can, as long as you have the capacity for it, like don't just take it on and then drop <laughs> the ball. Um, take on every single project you can. Cause I was tasked with a couple things in my career that I look back now and go, they trusted me with this. <laughs> what were they thinking? But because I had those different experiences that just helped me, build my chops as an HR person and, and also forced me to continue to educate myself, which I think has, has definitely helped me throughout my career. Um, so I think take on every project you can. And then I think also listen and learn, listen to the employees that you're supporting, listen to the folks that you are trying to do great things for I, and one of the things that I, I do look back now and go, gosh, I wish I would have listened more and not thought I had the answer right off the bat. Like being able to step back and go, you know what? I don't know the answer to this. Let me go ask the right people or ask more people than what I have in my network today. Katie, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR, DEI community or even your community at large? Uh, through mentorship, I, I try my best to mentor folks that are coming up behind me. But I also, even with clients, I stay in touch with them and stay in touch with whoever the folks are that are supporting the DEI efforts in the organization, even after I step away. Because I think, you know, the question you asked earlier, Wendy, about, you know, how do you stay passionate or how do you, you know, not get tired with this work? Because it is exhausting work. I think having that support system around you and being that support system for other people helps you to be able to go, okay, yeah, no, this is what I'm doing. And this is how I'm doing it. And I think thirdly, like, I am a straight white woman doing diversity, equity, and inclusion work. And so as often as I can, bringing other folks into the conversation, whether that's through, hey, can you do this training? Hey, can you, you know, kind of give your point of view from your perspective, your lived experience, and making sure those folks get paid. That's, these are just all of these things are what I try to do to bring other folks along and bring other folks into the conversation. Awesome. Katie, what's your favorite movie? Ooh, like of all time. Shawshank. Oh, is there any other movie that you would say is even in the top 10 other than Shawshank (laughs) Redemption? I'm just curious. (laughs) It's come up a few times over the years. Yeah. Yeah. We get Star Wars a lot, according to yeah. vintage, right? Like, yeah. age, yeah, yeah. you know, according to the age range. Yeah. Yeah. But we've gotten mm-hmm. Shawshank more than once. Yeah. Shawshank is a great movie. Um, there's other, like, top, in the other top five, I would say, if you have not seen. It has Chaz Palminteri in it. Bronx Tale is another oh, great one. If you've not seen Bronx one. Tale, highly recommend it. So that's another good one. And then, like, feel-good movies. I could watch Pretty Woman, like, every single day and be totally happy because I've like watched that all through high school. So that's another one. We get that a lot. We get, we've had yeah, pretty woman silly. more than once as well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> How about your favorite or the most memorable live performance you've ever attended? 
Holy Hannah, Batman. Oh, I could tell you. So concert and it, uh, Lionel Richie opened up for Tina Turner. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and I was very fortunate to get very close to the stage because of some friends that had some great tickets. So, you know, looking up at the stage and seeing, you know, Tina Turner Mm. dancing, you know, all over with those legs and, Lionel Richie effortlessly playing the piano and singing. And you're like, how, how? <laughs> um, so that was a really awesome concert. Nice. Wow. Yeah. That's up there. Yeah. Those two. Yeah. That would be and amazing. Then, but I, I also, so I used to bartend. So I also have like <laughs> Billy Idol in this like tiny, tiny, very oh. small, like in it. So that one was like fun. Cause he was literally like, you know, 20 feet away from me. And you know, he's got the whole got paid to be there. <laughs> and I got paid to me. Exactly. Yeah. And he had the whole lip thing. It was a whole situation. So yeah. Um, there's been quite a few. I, I love going to see live music. And so um, there's been quite a few that I've had the pleasure of doing. And because of where I worked previously, I got to meet Snoop Dogg. I you mm. know got to meet Pitbull and see them perform as well and some other great folks. So I, I've been I've been fortunate in that regard. Nice. Katie, if you could be on any TV show, either as a character or yourself, which would it be? Oh my gato! Okay, I just love your explanation. Your your expl- expletives <laughs> that are coming out—they're just cracking me up. <laughs> Jackie and I perfected it because we, we we've decided we we don't like to cuss too much on the podcast, so it's better this way. Um, so. Uh, so Law and Order SVU is like one of my favorite all-time shows, but I wouldn't want to be like the dead person that is there for like one <laughs> scene and then is gone. Like I would want a little bit more meaningful role. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's probably, I would say probably, yeah, Law and Order SVU. That's what Love I would it. pick. Recently it was announced that it's going to be Katie Van Horn Day all around the world. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> what are we going to do to celebrate? <laughs> What day is it, John? Just let me know. I want to mark my calendar. <laughs> it should probably be there or whatever it is. Um, what will we do? So I am in Arizona, so it should be a Tuesday. First off, so we go have tacos for Taco Tuesday. Um, that seems appropriate. Um, and then um, everyone gets to either go to the closest pool or whatever body of water and just relax, read a book, and have some fun just, you know, unplugging. It's not, it's not an exciting, super exciting day, Katie Van Horn day, but it's very uh, energizing. Let's go I with like that. It. I, I like it. I, Taco Tuesday and, and by the pool. I'm, I'm there. I'm there for you. Reading, you know, some, some, something trashy though, right? We're not reading of like course. how, yes. you know, self-improvement books. We're, no, you know, no, no, no. Yeah. You're, These, you yeah. got to pick up the Hunger Games or, you know, some YA easy read that you're going to get through, right? Or a smut novel, Wendy. A smut novel always hey, works. I'm yeah. all in. As an HR all person, <laughs> we have to. Yeah. This is how we, that's just how we unplug folks in case you wonder what HR people do. Love it. <laughs> Love it with, with, you know, something fruity with an umbrella in it next to me. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I just awesome. want to go on record that I have not read a Harlequin romance novel. Oh, okay. Well, um, that's what don't listen to the them. Mail. I read yeah, comic books. I was going to say, okay. <laughs> um, 
I'm going to just, you know, you threw out a challenge to your audience earlier. So I'm going to throw out a challenge. If anyone believes that John has not read a romance <laughs> novel before, please tweet him immediately. <laughs> and, and send him one. Him. Send, send him one. Send yeah. John a Harlequin. Yeah. He'll send you, he'll send you a <laughs> bottle opener. You send him a book. <laughs> I think the equivalent of the Harlequin novel for me was in the uh, the executioner and there's a series, you know, these very uh, hyper machismo action novels that, that were published literally monthly. You could, I got them at the grocery store when I was a teenager and I'd buy one every month. Mac Bolin was my favorite. He ended up getting a comic book and one of my friends, actually the guy who designed our logo, he was the artist on the executioner comic when it was done 15 years ago. But anyway, oh, wow. yeah, that, okay. that, instead of reading Harlequin, I was reading Mac Bolin and <laughs> okay. there were a whole series of these action. Okay. Yeah. We support you, John, yeah. but I, we, we support you, but still don't believe you. It's okay. okay. Fair enough. We're Fair enough. For you. Fair enough. <laughs> As you know, Katie, we are outsourcing. So if you could ask the next guest of the podcast, any question, what would it be? The question I would ask any HR person right now, so your next guest, I'm assuming he's going to be an HR person. And so my question to them would be, what are they doing to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion in their organization? Because I think that's the question we need, all need to be asking ourselves is, you know, what are we doing truly that will impact today and the future for all of your employees in regards to leveraging the diversity you have, increasing your diversity increasing your inclusion, all of these things. So what are they doing to focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion? Katie, you probably can't read it very well, but it has now <laughs> been added to the questions of your of my notes here for you. So it will be asked very soon. I can't thank you enough again for making time to have this conversation. Again, it was kind of fun to, to bookend with two co-hosts with you and Jackie <laughs> for the month. I know most of our listeners are probably connected with you, but if they're not, best way for them to reach you out there personally for the podcast, anything and everything we need to know. How do we get in touch? Okay. So I'm on Twitter as Katie bar seven. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Katie Van Horn. Katie is K A T E E because my mom was an English teacher and likes uh, letters to be different. <laughs> so it's Katie with two E's. That's what we're going with. Um, oh. Or they can reach out to me on the Inclusive AF podcast um, website. So it's inclusiveafpodcast.com. Um, and yeah, if anyone would like to come on and discuss any diversity, equity, inclusion issues with Jackie and I, we'll be gentle. We swear. We won't uh, force you to read smut novels like I'm forcing John to. <laughs> We'll, we'll have all that in the show notes, save the uh, romance novel piece. But Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to find you out there? Uh, best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. And of course, the second and fourth Sundays of each month, you will find me on Twitter at 7 p.m. Eastern time as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? Once again, thanks to Namely for sponsoring the entire month of March. We always appreciate their support. And as the original sponsor, they're amazing. And I want you to check them out at Namely.com to learn more. As for me, JohnThurman.com for all things John Thurman. For the show, HRSocialRPodcast.Podbean.com. Listen, rate, review, share, follow, whatever platform you're on. Just hit the follow button, check mark, mm -hmm. link. I don't know, bla big blazing neon <laughs> sign. They're all different. But if you follow, you're going to get that new episode each and every week. International listeners, please reach out. We'd love to have you as part of the conversation. Yes. It is easier for you to get in touch with us though, than it is to, to get in touch with you. And as a quick reminder, it is spring cleaning, put a post review, share it with us. If we get it, 
you're in you're in for a coaster and possibly one of those elusive bottle openers. Mm-hmm. Katie, again, appreciate being with us. And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. <laughs>